Hello everyone, this is Bola from Clever Girl Finance and welcome to the Clever Girls No Podcast. So today's episode is in partnership with Thrivent Student Resources, which is a thriving hub of tools and resources related to helping you achieve your college dreams with as little debt as possible, whether you're going to trade school, local university, vocational school, or any other form of higher education. And the reason why I was interested in doing this collaboration to talk specifically about student loans is because the student loan crisis is real. Many of you who are listening are dealing with large student loans or have children approaching college age. And so I thought it would be a great idea to have someone come on to talk about how you can be able to successfully manage and minimize your student loans while still being able to achieve your financial goals. And so my guest today is Susan Farrell. She is the Vice President of Curriculum Design for Thriving Student Resources, where she provides leadership for educational efforts. She also conducts webinars and workshops on ways to reduce student loan debt payments, and she talks about things like how to pay for college without sacrificing your retirement. And she also designs curriculum that educates students and parents about planning for college, paying for college, and preparing for life after graduation. In addition, she also happens to be a member of the target market for the topic that she focuses on because she is the mother of two college-age children. On this episode, Susan shares how she's educated her children on managing their student loans. She talked about her experience getting through college. Um, She talks about specific advice for students approaching college age, students in college, college graduates, and also advice for parents on how to manage student loans. And we also talked about some key resources that can help you make the best decisions around your loans and how you can approach dealing with those loans. And we had a conversation around how to continue working towards your financial goals while paying down your student loans. So we talked about a lot of different things on this podcast and Susan shared a lot of really useful resources. So this is one of those episodes that if you have student loans or you know someone who does have student loans or you have a child that is going to be taking on student loans in the future, you definitely want to listen to this one. And also also share it with other people that might find it useful. So before we get into the episode with Susan, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please do. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and also listen to episodes and watch videos on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. And be sure to stop by the website at clevergirlfinance.com. There is always brand new content every single week. And if you are new to the tribe, I encourage you to check out our Fresh Start Challenge, which is a 10-day challenge to help you build a better relationship with your finances. And you can sign up for that on clevergirlfinance.com. So let's get into this episode with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. How are you? I am so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. And we're going to be talking about the also important and critical topic of student loans, um, specifically how to successfully minimize and manage your student loans and still be able to achieve your financial goals. And I cannot wait to hear what you have to say because student loans is something that plagues a lot of my audience. Um, It's something they're trying to overcome and I just can't wait to get your insights. (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So before we kind of dive into the good stuff, please tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, My name is Susan Farrell, and I'm the Vice President of Curriculum Design for Thrivent Student Resources, and I'm responsible for all of our educational programs around planning and paying for college. Awesome. So I'd also love for you to share what is your personal student loan story? Did you have student loans? Um, you know, like what is your personal story? 
Well, I have kids in college right now. So I went to college <laughs> quite a while ago. Um, I'm back in the day, I was able to work full time in the summers and part time during the school year and cover most of my cost of college. So I graduated with not a whole lot of debt and I was able to pay it off within five years. Um, but I know that the cost of attendance at my alma mater has increased 600% wow. since I was there. So I wouldn't be able to do that today. It's just not feasible. Um, it's just crazy how much the tuition has increased. And I do have two kids in college, and both of them have taken the federal direct loans that have been offered to them. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, I was informed about the Parent PLUS loans, and so I didn't take on the Parent PLUS loans that were offered as part of their financial aid packages, um, but they will have a little bit of debt when they graduate. So, so one of the things that you do for Thriving Student Resources is that you design the curriculum that helps with educating students and their parents about planning for college, paying for college, and then post-graduation. And just given, you know, what I had said earlier with the burden of student loan debt and how it is a major concern that impacts so many people, folks who are listening to this call, um, I wanted to get get you to share some of your advice for, I guess, different groups of people that are impacted by the burden of these loans. So for instance, Mm -hmm. What tips would you give to a student or to a parent that's listening right now that is approaching college age and getting ready to get into college? Because a lot of my listeners are, you know, planning, a good set of my listeners are planning for their kids to go to college soon. Some of them are students who are um, kind of getting their finances together early (laughs) and getting into college or have just started college. So what are some tips for this group of people? Well, I'd say, first of all, for parents and students, we, you know, the number one thing that we encourage them to do is sit down and make a family plan for college. So many families don't really have a plan and they end up getting accepted to their dream school and just then they try to figure out how they're going to pay for it. And that leads to a lot of issues with people getting into a lot of debt. So the first thing that we say that they should do is sit down and make a plan, including a budget talk about how much the parents can contribute, what the students can contribute, um, you know, how much as a whole the family can afford for all of their kids. Um, And then stick with that plan. We found that families that have a plan tend to borrow less than families that don't have a plan. And for the students, I'd say get your GPA up as high as possible while you're still in high school. Um, because that'll make a difference in terms of how much aid you're offered by the colleges you're looking at. And also study and practice for the ACT and the SAT, because those scores will have a big impact on how much they're offered um, from the colleges that they're interested in. And then also, you know, as a student, just if they can work part-time or even full-time in the summer and save up as much money as possible, put that away and um, apply that to your college costs so that you can reduce the amount of loans that you have to take out when you're in school. That's really great advice. And, you know, when you talk about having a plan, I think that is so key. Um, A lot of people make the mistake of, well, just get into 
get the best college and then we'll kind of figure it out from there. But yeah, sitting down and having the conversation and laying out, okay, this is how much we can afford. This is how much we need to save if you get into these colleges and just laying it out there and also understanding what are the scholarships options what are the scholarship options out there? What are the grades that support you getting the scholarship? And just having all those things in place so that if you need to get a part-time job as a student, you start working. If you need to start planning out your budget or cutting costs somewhere as a parent to be able to help supplement your um, kids' college tuition, you can do that and minimize the overall debt that they take on. So that's really key, having a plan and having the conversation together. Yep, absolutely. And I like that you talked about, you know, what the student can do, because a lot of times when it comes to, I've actually had conversations with people where um, they get into the school and the parent or parent is just like, don't worry, I'll figure out the expenses. Or um, they, the parent just assumes that the child doesn't need to, or the, the, the young adult doesn't need to be involved in making the financial decisions. All they need to do is sign their name on the dotted line to secure the loan. Yeah. Um, that's, that unfortunately does happen. And, um, a lot of kids actually graduate with debt and they're not sure how much debt they took on because they basically were just signing on the dotted line. They hadn't, yeah, they didn't realize what they were getting into. Yeah. So what about for, let's kind of look at a different group of people. What about for someone who is currently in college or getting a second degree or has gone back to school and has already taken on student loan debt, what kind of things can they do now? For people that are in school? That are currently in school, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I'd say if they're not already working to offset some of the college costs, they should try to get an on-campus job if if possible and save whatever they can from their earnings to reduce the amount that they have to borrow the next year. Um, Also, during school, you can pay interest on the loans, uh, the interest that's accruing on your loans to help reduce the amount that you're going to owe once you graduate. A lot of people don't know that that's a possibility. Um, And keep searching for scholarships. Um, Many kids will search for scholarships for their freshman year and then not look into it beyond that. Um, But really, they should be searching for scholarships for every year that they're in school. Oh, that's a really excellent tip, um, looking for scholarships for every year while you're in school, because that I definitely do agree about the notion that, well, if I don't get a scholarship when I get in, then I, I just don't get any scholarships. Right. But I, that's, that's really, really good to know, and I'm glad you mentioned that. So, ladies, if you're listening and you are in your second year, you're going back to school for a graduate degree, whatever reason you're back in school for, um, don't feel like it's too far gone for you to look for scholarships. What about grants, Susan? Um, grants are the same thing. Um, you do have to fill out a FAFSA every year that you're in school and that will help determine if you're eligible for any state or federal grants. And it never hurts to ask the school that you're attending if they have any grants that are available that could be applicable to you. Mm -hmm. And then you talked about paying interest and interest around debt is the the killer. (laughs) Yeah. That is just, you know, because it compounds, it accumulates and it keeps a lot of people stuck. So the fact that folks can pay interest um, while they're still in school, if they're working or they have a source of income can actually help to minimize your overall debt burden when you leave school. So that's, if you have that option, you should definitely take it. Yep. So 
What about for someone who has recently graduated or has been working for some time, which is a lot of my listeners, and they're earning an income and they're trying to balance living their lives, families, and at the same time balance paying their loans in addition to that day-to-day living, and also at the same time balance saving for their future selves and their future financial goals? How can they manage, um, you know, having that student loan debt, getting it paid down quickly, what are some key tips that they can implement? I would say, first of all, if they have good credit, they should look into whether refinancing their student loans can help them get a lower interest rate. Um, If they don't have good credit, they should work on getting that credit score up there by paying their bills on time, um, you know, paying off their credit cards in full every month, all those kinds of things that you can do to increase that credit score. Um, because if you can get your interest rate down on your student loans, that can save you a lot of money in the long run. Um, and refinancing is a good way to do that. Also, if they have federal loans, there are like eight different federal loan repayment options that they should familiarize themselves with because they might be able to get into, I mean, if they're really struggling, they might be able to get into a, um, income driven repayment plan. That'll limit their payments to 10 or 20% of their disposable income. So it's really good to understand what those options are. And um, I'd also say make sure that you're taking advantage of any matching programs that you're, if you're employed and your company matches um, funds like on your 401k, make sure you're saving that minimum amount so that you don't give up that free money even while you are paying down your debt important to try to save for the future at the same time. Those are all really great tips. Talking about saving for your future self, that's one place where a lot of people get conflicted. Well, I'm trying to pay them my student loans and I have this other credit card debt I racked up. So I'm just going to put that on the back burner. And I've actually talked to a lot of people who have not taken advantage of the free money their employer offers them. Yeah. Um, because they just feel like the burden of their debt is so much that they can't even extend themselves even that small way to get the free money. But I always remind people that, especially when it comes to retirement investing and free money that your employer is offering you, is that that money is before taxes. And so if they, you know, a lot of companies will give you matches for up to 6% or 3%, some of them 10% of contributions up to a certain limit, for example. And if you were to take um, those numbers, including your income and put it into a 401k retirement uh, calculator, you'll find that the post the the pre-tax con- contribution doesn't impact your post-tax um, paycheck that much right um, it's it's you know sometimes the amount is really negligible it's money that you would otherwise have spent on Starbucks or hanging out going out to eat <laughs> right yeah yep Six or seven percent really isn't that much when you look at it from that perspective, especially pre-tax. So you want to take the free money. And um, the other factor where you talked about protecting your credit and making sure that you're getting your credit up so that you can use your credit for something useful like refinancing your student loans and save yourself hundreds thousands or even tens tens of thousands of dollars um, is really key. Um, Just because you know, you have student loan debt and you're already in debt doesn't mean that, oh yeah, your credit is whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Maintaining it and using your credit for something worthwhile that can actually help you 
improve your finances because when you're saving money on interest, you're improving your finances, right? Because you're able to, um, you're paying less, you owe less and you can find ways to accelerate your payoff. But, you know, if you're, if you're, if you have credit and you have good credit or okay credit, and instead you're focused on opening store cards and the next credit card, then, you know, you're kind of working against yourself. So that's, that's a really important point that you made. Yeah. So I just, I wanted to ask you, so your kids are in college. You have two college yep. age kids. Yes, I do. As the, an expert on student loans and given the job that you do every day, you know, building curriculum around how people can be smart and minimize their loans and their debt. Are you, you know, do you kind of like sit them down every quarter or before every semester and say, here are your tips? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Um, when my son started college, I wasn't in this job. So his college search um, process was very different than what we went through with my daughter because by yeah. then I'd been doing this and I understood the process so much better. Um, but with her, what I did is I said, this is the amount that I can afford to spend every year. So I asked her to go out and search for colleges that would give us a a net price within that range. And those are the only places that she applied. Whereas with my son, he wanted to be out in the mountains. So (laughs) that was how he chose his schools. We drove out to Bozeman, Montana, and he saw MSU and fell in love. And that's the only place that he applied. So we got lucky. Um, He did get a good scholarship to go there. But it just is amazing how different their processes were. Um, I do sit down and help them understand each fall when they're taking out their federal loans, you know, how much they're taking on and how much that's going to mean in terms of a payment once they graduate. Because I want, you know, I'm helping them with school, but they're also, they've got some skin in the game with the federal loans, but I want them to understand what that means for their future. So also um, try to help them stay on top of uh, switching majors and what that's going to mean in terms of how long it'll take them to graduate because both mm-hmm. of them have switched majors um, a total of four times now. So um, really trying to keep that time frame limit of in school to four years because so many kids now, I think like 60% of kids are graduating in six years mm-hmm. and that's just so much more expensive um, so we're really trying to keep them within that four-year time frame for undergraduate work. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I just, you know, one of the things you said at the beginning was parents and students um, having the conversation about the school and where they're going. And, you know, a lot yeah. of students and young adults um, not really taking the time out to understand the details of their student loan um, right. before they sign it. So, I mean, if you've kind of if they've crossed that, you know, line, they've already signed it, they're already, they already have the debt, they, you know, it's still important that you take time out to understand your student loans, pull out yep. the documentation they gave you. If you don't remember how many you signed, pull your credit, right? You can, you'll see all them, all of them documented on there and reach out to get the documentation and start to understand um, interest rates. So what are some key things they need to understand on their student loan in their student loan documentation. So interest rates is one of them. Yep. The interest rate is key. Also, you know, the fact that in in my kids' case, they have unsubsidized loans. So they're accruing interest while they're in school. So um, it's important to understand that the amount that they borrow, let's say they borrow $5,500 by the time they graduate, that's going to be well, you know, 
much greater than $5,500 that they owe because interest is accruing, accruing the entire time that they're in school. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that was important for me to understand as a parent was the parent plus loans that were offered and understanding the interest rate on those is much higher than what you can probably get if you've got good credit out in the private market. So I was informed enough to know not to to go to the parent plus loan option, although it it's really easy to do. And sometimes parents even borrow without even really knowing what they're getting into. Yeah, that's very true. Um, there were a couple other things I wanted to talk about, and this kind of ties into, um, so I had collaborated with, um, your company, um, to create a, an article on, you know, what, what folks should be looking at as they are applying for student loans. And there are a couple of things I kind of wanted to talk through and also get your take on. So one of the, the things I had talked about in the article and, um, Thrive at Student Resources has a tool that supports this was, um, comparing the cost of your degree at different colleges because the cost of the same degree, you know, from one college to another, and let's even leave the Ivy League schools out of it, can vary vastly, right? And that also impacts how much you potentially take on in debt. So I just wanted to talk a little bit more about that and basically how the tool supports helping students make the right decision or, you know, aspiring people who are aspiring to go to those colleges. Yeah, it's really great because it allows you to say, for example, you know, you want to go to school within a hundred mile radius of your parents' home, um, or you want to go to a very specific type of university. It allows you to filter the kinds of schools that you're looking at. Um, and it also has um, the ability to show you what your net net price might look like. And that's really important because when most people look at colleges, they look at that published price or the sticker price of the school. And that's not what they actually end up paying. So for Mm. example, many private schools on average, they're discounting their published price by 54%. So you can can almost look at the published price and take half off. Um, But this tool actually shows you for your income level, what the average net price is that people end up paying to go to that school. So I think that's a really important piece of information to look at. Um, Also, schools all have net price calculators on their websites. So if there's a school that you're interested in going to and you're wondering how much it might cost your family to attend that school, you can go in and do that net price calculator and it'll give you a pretty good idea of what the actual cost will be for you to attend that school. And knowing those costs can help you make informed decisions about where you go and also the amount of debt you anticipate taking on either as, you know, brand new college student or someone who's going back for an additional degree. Yeah. So, yeah. So ladies, it's really important to do, (laughs) to do that research and have an understanding of your costs. If you haven't yet, you know, you're thinking about it, you haven't yet signed it, you're thinking about it for your kids, you're planning for college for your kids. You want to have an understanding of what, the true cost of the education so you can plan for it. Yep. And we also recommend that people don't borrow more than they would that they would expect to make their first year out of college. So if you're going, you know, for a teaching degree and you expect to make maybe $30,000 that first year out of school, our rule of thumb is don't borrow more than $30,000 then. 
that was going to be my next (laughs) question for you. No, that's fine. You guys, so you guys have, you know, like, I mean, sorry, in the article I had written about um, doing research on what the average salary is for the degree you're going to get. And if the, so let's say the degree, the average salary is $50,000, what you have to, this particular school you're going to degree is going to, the degree is going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars. Then you might want to look at a different school or different school options, or even find a different degree. Right. Right. It's really important to look at it as a return on investment because Uh it's a huge investment and you want to think about, you know, how much you're going to be making when you graduate and how big that student loan payments going to be and try to figure out if you, you know if you want to burden yourself with a huge payment um or if you want to you know be comfortable in your lifestyle once you graduate mm-hmm. and then the final thing i wanted to talk about um was what you guys have brought to light when we were doing the collaboration was crowdfunding student loans. I mean, student loan, I mean, student college education payment, not student loans, uh, crowdfunding that so that you can get your family and network to help you fund your college education and minimize your debt. And I thought that was so cool because, I mean, I didn't think about it and I don't know if it's something that people generally think about crowdfunding, but, you know, for high school graduation and for birthday gifts, people will give you money. So I'm, you know, a a lot of times aunties will give you money or buy you gift cards or uncles and things like that. But, you know, if you kind of like guide them without being like, give me money, guide them to saying, Hey, this is my college crowdfunding thing. You know, I'd love for you to contribute to that. That is, I almost feel like there is so much better value, a hundred percent better value, um, to getting money put in an account for your college education um, than getting a gift card to like Forever 21. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to receive gifts anyway, you might as well ask people to contribute to, for example, we call our crowdfunding tool um, GradPath. Just contribute to my GradPath account instead of, you know, writing a check or giving me that Forever 21 gift card or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So I'm going to link this article in the show notes so you guys can see the tools that um, Susan and I are talking about. And you'll also see the article I wrote that just talks about key things you want to look at, um, you know, as you plan out getting into college or going back to school. And even if you are in college, there's definitely a lot of resources in the links. Um, And also you guys have a community at Thrive and Student Resources that people can get a bunch of different tools for. So before I let you go, Susan, yeah, I have to ask you, <laughs> what is your Clever Girl superpower? Um, I would have to say it is um, discernment. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty good at being able to tell uh, what's true and what's untrue. So that would be my superpower. <laughs> That's great. Um, and I'd also love for you to share how folks can keep in touch with you and also where they can go to learn more about the tips that you shared with us um, on this podcast episode. Sure. Um, Thrivingstudentresources.com is our website. Um, that's a great place to go to look at the tools and read articles about things that we've talked about today. 
And we also do weekly or monthly webinars on paying for college or um, paying down your student loan debt. So you can check those out at thrivingstudentresources.com as well. So I'd say go there. Awesome. And I'm going to link that in the show notes as well. So you guys, um, I definitely recommend checking out a webinar, especially if you have student loans or you have a kid that's going to college soon or you yourself are considering going back to school. Um, I think it's really important to get to be well-informed about this. I had a um, Clever Girl Finance event in New York back in March, and one of my friends who is a student loan expert and has also been on the podcast, Melissa Buta, she um, was talking about student loans, and she just got so many questions. Um, and it's not because, you know, these women didn't like, it's not because they're not smart women. They were incredibly smart women that were asking these questions. Yeah, It's because that the the student loans themselves can be so complex sometimes, yep. um, especially if you have multiples, especially if you apply for them several years ago and then things, you know, laws change and things like that. So it's really important to stay on top of them and ultimately focus on getting them paid down as quickly as you can. Um, it might take time. Yes. But yep. again, it's having that strategy in place and being informed on exactly what your loans are, the restrictions and requirements around them, and then planning accordingly. So, you know, the advice you shared, Susan, I think it's going to be really, really helpful for the women who are listening um, and are just struggling with this and heading over to your site to kind of gain more insight. So you guys should check out the webinar. Um, I'm, I'm glad to have had you on because I'm not a student loan expert. You know, I'm, that's why I have folks like you come on and folks like my friend Melissa come and support the conversation, but I definitely yeah. recognize it as a major crisis. And the sooner folks are able to get, you know, a handle on how to deal with it, um, the easier it would be for them to transition through paying this debt off and kind of like being able to breathe and get past this, you know, exactly overwhelm. Yep. So this has been great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. So I hope you gained some useful tips from listening into this episode with Susan and it's giving you an idea of some things you can be doing to better manage and minimize your student loan debt. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, please subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and also listen to episodes and watch videos on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel and subscribe there as well. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll be back with a brand new episode soon.